0: Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, your host. I started this podcast because I believe when we share our thoughts, our stories, and experiences, we help one another to create more meaningful lives. And I also think that an important part of life revolves around our search for meaningful connection. That seems to only happen when we get real about who we are. And we authentically share that so listen in try to answer these questions yourself and let's connect
1: Connection.
0: Well, I'm so happy that I have with me two incredible and innovative filmmakers. And we're going to be talking to them about their film Angels and Saints, Heroes and All. I have uh, Vic and Rodney. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Um, can, Thank you. Can we start off? maybe just telling me a little bit about about yourselves. Rodney, could you give me a little bit of your background?
2: Uh, Well, this is Rodney Wittenberg. I'm a composer, songwriter, record producer, filmmaker. And I um, fell in love with uh, music and film when I was a little kid. And uh, I was always going around the house singing and banging on things and making up songs and uh as a family we went to the movies probably three or four times a month and i just fell in love with both of those ways of expression expressing oneself and communication and uh by the time i was 18 i was had already been in a bunch of bands i sold my first jingle and i was on my way to theoretically be a rock star (laughs) but uh And that lasted for about 10 years. And then I decided to start a production company called Melody Vision. And I've been uh, producing and working with people to help them make their films and make music and make movies and plays and theater productions and podcasts for the past 30 years.
0: Super cool. And then Vic, could you tell me a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure, sure. So um, I'm a filmmaker, a clinical social worker a poet, and uh, I came into filmmaking about 15, 17 years ago, something like that. Uh, I've uh, produced uh, five films. Rodney and I have worked very closely on the last two. Um, And um, I've lived in Philadelphia for many years and grew up in the South. So uh, I'm very uh, grew up very uh, conservatively, um, but uh, have been stretched over the years uh, living in this amazing city of Philadelphia.
0: Um, so how did the two of you get together? How did you come to know each other, and how did you we start were, working? We were
1: introduced uh, by a Jewish friend of ours who was holding a seder in her home. And there was a um, group of maybe 30 people crammed into a small uh, dining room. And uh, we were placed next to each other, elbow to elbow. Uh, this was how many years ago, Rodney? 10 years at least?
2: No, oh, longer than maybe 14 <laughs> years ago. We, yeah. Vic and his wife and my, myself and my girlfriend at the time, we were scrunched in this little corner. And Pecky was like, I want you two to meet each other.
1: <laughs> so we, we uh, hit it off. We were both interested in films and uh, we've been working together uh, pretty much since then.
0: So why this film? Why did you make Angels and Saints? <laughs> what compelled you um, to work on this material? And you know what, before you say why, could you tell me actually what it's about?
1: Angels and Saints is about wholeness. It is about um, the split between spirit and body, which goes back all the way into Greek times, and then into early Christian and Judaic history, where the body is bad and the spirit is good. And this dichotomy, this split, which we tend to take for granted, uh, has been incredibly damaging to our culture, to religious institutions, to many places. And there's a growing awareness about its problem, uh, its uh, implications and um, Most of us grew up with that, whether you're Catholic or Protestant or traditionally Jewish. And those are issues that are starting to come to the fore and people are dealing with uh, guilt, shame and fear, especially body shaming. And we're seeing how this uh, has impacted our culture and we decided it was time to talk about it. So uh, this is what the film's about. (laughs)
2: And Vic had a thesis that was, I think your thesis was that if we talk to people who uh, sort of embodied that fight, uh, people who identified uh, across the um, gender and sexual spectrum, and they found hold this with inside of their own spiritual community, maybe there's a lesson for the rest of us to learn that it's possible and that we could do it. And so we set out to interview, uh, five people of faith who Mm -hmm. identified, I, (laughs) one of them is, is, yes, I know. We five people of faith who identified across the gender and, uh, sexual spectrum and one sex therapist. And so, uh, so that's, that's what we did. And, it, and you, in watching the film, you will hear the, the, the personal stories of how uh, these, uh, the, the, you know, how they found wholeness, how they were, and, and kept their faith and, and their spiritual community.
1: And we call them angels and saints because um, angels are messengers. They're messengers and important news. and, saints is used kind of ironically because these people are anything but saints in the traditional sense of the word they're not Mm -hmm. they're not purity people they're not goody-goody and aloof they are flesh and blood and uh, people that would not normally be called that but they are uh, very important people that have such examples of their lives and their witness to speak to us.
0: You know, as somebody who grew up, I went through 12 years of Catholic school. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, it was pretty rigid background. I I went to confession every Saturday. Um, You know, pretty structured Catholic background, which is it makes it kind of funny that I'm even doing this interview because I, I just learned how to say the word sex or sexuality (laughs) like last week. Um, So, But I saw the film, and and it's really beautiful. It's really beautifully realized, what you're talking about. Um, I I love the imagery that you use, and I think you really will speak to a whole myriad of of people um, with varying comfort levels, might I add. so I think you just did a gorgeous job. Thank but you. Were thank you're welcome. Were you at all, you know, hesitant? Was there a moment where you thought, "I don't know if if we can do this, or if I should do this?"
1: Well, my head has been um, primarily that I don't want to offend people, and I kind of know that it will offend some people. Um, I think that it will bring up feelings um, that many people who see the film will have pushed down within themselves. Uh, in that sense, it will bring up memories of, of harm and abuse. And uh, also uh, I would say theological abuse, uh, spiritual abuse. I mean, when you, when you think about the horrendous things that have been revealed, uh, especially in the Catholic Church, but not entirely. Uh, They are certainly in other religions. Um, All that stuff is related to the um, the guilting and the split that I was referring to. Um, This repression of what is good and beautiful in life, which is our sexuality and our love of nature and our connection to this world. Uh, all of that has been uh, really harmed by um, actually some centuries of um, really negative attitudes toward uh, the beauty of life. Uh, uh, Poets have spoken of the beauty of this life, but uh, traditional religions have uh, really done a great deal of harm. Now, that's not to say they always do. There's awakening, and there's change, and there's Really, some progressive stuff going on within Christianity and Judaism. We don't try to deal with uh, the Muslim faith uh, and other Buddhism and other religions because we're not as familiar, and because it would take two or three episodes of a series to do that. But um, in any case, uh, you know, we're we're confronting what is beginning to emerge as uh, greater awareness about this whole subject.
2: My, my fear going into this film was uh, only that uh, two cisgendered straight men could interview someone who's transgender, someone who's gay, someone who's bisexual, someone who's a lesbian and do right by them. I, I, maybe, and maybe even in how I say that, it could be construed as offensive. So it's so hard to even talk about it. But um, I think that one of the keys to going forward as a culture <clears throat> has to be that people take up the, not necessarily the fight or the, but people who are not of a certain group. Support another group by, um, oh boy, I'm stepping no, in it. I, right, I know um, exactly what you're
0: saying, yeah, 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 yeah because you know what? Yeah. It takes us all, we have to be willing, I think, to be wrong and to be educated and to say the yeah. wrong thing, and mm-hmm. you know, and I think that not just in this subject, but in so many subjects, because right. You know, if we can't talk about it, we can't learn and we can't grow. But I understand completely right. why that would be uncomfortable because, you know, we are still learning and growing and um, mm-hmm. and sometimes we might say the wrong thing. Well, yeah, um,
1: speak, speaking of learning and growing, um, um, I wanna say that, um, well, even though, you know, heterosexuals are represented in, in the film, Um, the LGBTQI community are so far out front of the mainstream in terms of their courage, their um, love of um, the world, that they are our teachers. They are the avant-garde. And I learned this uh, some 25 or 30 years ago in a very progressive um, Christian community that I've been a part of um, that is very welcoming to all kinds of people. And I began to realize, you know, these folks, not, not, I don't mean everyone, but I mean, there are so many from that community that are incredibly wise and courageous and um, Really, are teachers so I you know I bow to them, and I think in a sense the film does that. Um, it's not that it's slanted toward LGBTQI, but I do think that they um, are often uh, ahead of the rest of the culture in terms of educating us. Yeah, and my fear,
2: which I think, we, as Vic's saying, we did a good job of not doing, is what I would. Uh, Use the example of what's known in in filmmaking as the magic negro. And what that is, is you'll see it in like the uh, Driving Miss Daisy or the Green Mile or uh, the Blue Book, where a person of color who is, who does, who supposedly doesn't have much teaches the non person of color the real meaning of life and uh there's a way in which i wanted to make sure that we were not while honoring the people we were interviewing that we were not exploiting them and that is a very fine line when you're asking them to share you know personal stories of their life for the purpose of educating others (laughs) it's a it's a very tricky thing but uh, i think we did a good i think we did the job the best job that we could and um one of the things that was interesting at some of the early screenings of the film before we started showing it widely was uh, we you know learning from some of the people who um, were transgender who are younger who watched the film who had some issues and I learned that you know there are generational differences in how people see themselves and how they talk about themselves because you know some people were having issues with how some of the people in the film were talking about themselves like oh we don't use that term anymore I go yeah but that person is 50 years old you want them and you're standing on their shoulders you want them to change how they talk about themselves and then the younger person went oh well that's a good point I see what you're saying (laughs) uh wow okay (laughs) so uh it's 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 if you will all of it's very fluid, but I, I think again going back to what I was saying earlier, I think the, the critical thing is that you know that people who are different you know, people who aren't are as someone might say don't have a dog in this fight, stand up for yes. the other and stand not stand up for the other in the way that it, it's going to humiliate the other, but I think a good example is what's going on in the soccer league right now. And then, and, and uh, FIFA, because they have a serious problem with race and so many of the white players are just saying no to racism without having to have the black players step in and make a big, you know, be angry or, or raise their fists or, or be on the pro line. It's, it's, it's um it's very interesting what's happening. And I think, that's sort of what we were you know trying to do with the film
0: right because it seems as though um, you know because you're interviewing and talking to people who are really courageously sharing who who they are and and actually that courage came well before you know the film because when you Mm -hmm. live in this world to actually Mm -hmm. claim that self that's a very very brave and bold Mm -hmm. step and like you said, it gives all of us permission to be more whole and to be more Mm -hmm. comfortable because you don't have to be, you know, non-binary or trans to have a split between your spirit self and your physical self, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you mind if I ask you both what your kind of religious background was growing up, Um, you know, What was that? I don't
1: I don't mind. Um, I uh, grew up in a conservative uh, evangelical background, uh, not nearly as right wing as much of what we're seeing in the culture right now, but sort of middle of the road, I would say kind of the Billy Graham culture uh, of its day. Franklin Graham, on the other hand, is uh, really, really, really to the right. <laughs> His father, uh, in fact, I met him, uh, I met Billy Graham as a kid, and I, I knew that culture, and I grew up in that. My dad was a Presbyterian minister, and uh, oh. through the years, uh, you know, uh, even though I can say many wonderful things about my parents, they grew up with this same cultural And religious split, if you will. And uh, it wasn't until my uh, late teens and early 20s that I was really grappling with this and um, really uh, struggling to find that wholeness within myself. Um, So it's always been sort of in my craw for years. And then uh, uh, over the years, I. uh, Have been a part of a very progressive uh, Christian community that um, is uh, just really totally accepting of uh, the LGBTQI folks as well as heterosexuals and everybody else and racially and every other imaginary way. And uh, that has uh, nurtured and influenced me and um, actually two of the people in the film are people that I knew in that context. Uh, one being um, the person who identifies as trans, that is Chris, uh, and the other being uh, Rev Ved, Beverly <coughs> Dales, who kind of bookends the film. And uh, <clears throat> I would say those people and others um, like them um, have been influential and were part of the inspiration for me in making this film.
2: Yeah, I was raised Catholic, um, and the strange thing—my dad was Baptist, and my mom was Catholic. And uh, historically, it's funny because African Americans, particularly those who moved up from the South during the Great Migration, when they got to Philadelphia, New York, other cities. Uh, while my grandparents on my mom's side were Baptists, um, they felt that the gift their daughter, my mom, a better education, they would send her to Catholic school, and they would raise her as Catholic uh, with the idea that Catholic was better. And so I grew up uh, reading the Bible and going to church every Sunday and going to Sunday school. Um, and they, uh, they attempted to do a year. Uh, I remember fourth grade, uh, they, my parents finally had enough money where they could send both me, myself and my sister, the two do a year of Catholic school. And for me, it was a little bit of a challenge. I was not a bad, not because I was a bad kid, but I would get sent to the office for asking too many questions because I would read the Bible. And it always seemed like what was coming from the priests and the nuns was different than what i was reading in the book and it would confuse me and i'm not someone who deals with confusion very well yeah so <laughs> i remember very clearly raising my hand in class and uh oh, yes rodney what is your question well <laughs> jesus rose on the third day right and he went to see mary mary right yes and he said go forth and tell them i have risen right so why isn't Mary an apostle since, I mean, if she's the first person he went to seems she would be the most important like down to the office. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, went, what? Oh. I'm just asking a question. What a heretic you <laughs> are. To to <laughs> uh, or where's your tie, Mr. Woodward? Well, Jesus didn't wear a tie. I would want to <laughs> wear my dashiki to church and they wouldn't let me. And, you know, uh, like, and they, i you know even at home i put the tie on and take it off because i hated it and they were like why do we have to wear a tie this doesn't make any sense so anyway um was so the bible, by the time I was, yes the ties in the are in the bible yes <laughs> uh so by the time i was 13 or 12 or 13 i just do my mom's dismay and frustration and ultimate sadness i was like i cannot go to this church anymore it's too <laughs> hypocritical i need to find something else and i started on a quest of just reading about other religions even you know at 12 and 13 i wanted there was something in me that wanted to be some kind of spiritual leader i mean, in fifth grade i would I was holding, um, I would do Bibles. If someone had an issue, you could come and sit at my desk and I would counsel you. And I had a little Bible in my gosh, book bag thanks. and I would bring it out and read from that and also offer suggestions of how they could heal I loved it. in fifth grade. So I was constantly seeking something and I remembered, uh, oh God, being outside you're, you were you quite a
1: prodigy and, and here yeah. you are still uh, teaching people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still
1: trying to figure it out. Yes. Still trying to understand.
0: I totally that, relate yeah. to that because I remember I was the raising of the hands too. And I remember raising my hand and asking a priest and I said, so I know that it was a virgin birth, mm-hmm. but did Mary and Joseph have sex? Afterwards, like ever. (laughs) (laughs) And they said said no. So I went home. (laughs) No. Did you know that Mary and Joseph never had sex? And my mother said, Well, how did you find that out? (laughs) And I said, The priest told me. And she said well how does he know was he there (laughs) good for your
1: mom and good for you that you could talk to your mom about this
0: (laughs) my mother was always questioning and it you know she at the time when i was younger i always thought she had a little bit of a heretical nature honestly because you know, I she would say, well, mm-hmm. you know, priests would understand divorce if they could just get married. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and I would say, Mom, they are married. And she would say, well, who are they married to? And I would say, they're married to the church.
1: <laughs> and she said, yeah.
0: well, how does that work?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, good for her. She you know, so some seeds of questioning in you—that's wonderful. Yeah.
0: She did. She sowed those questions. You know what i what I think is interesting. Um, neither one of you, even though you did question certain things, you didn't abandon your spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I think that that I think I wonder how often that happens, especially in the LBGTQI community. Um and, and that's what I kind of love about your movie. It almost gives permission to be both. Mm-hmm. A human fully human mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
1: and spiritual yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I that's mean, a yeah. Really good point mm-hmm.
2: yeah it was always a quest for me i i mean i always felt i was on a, a spiritual path and i think that there i i, I mean some people call it the god hall there's so many different names for it in the spiritual community but i think there's a emptiness unless in 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 us as humans, and we can find ways of filling it up, but they never they never seem to really do it. satisfy the needs of that, that hole without finding a, a connection to God or Gaia, Mother Earth, whatever whatever you're whatever you name it. I mean, sure. there's a part of me that thinks it's all the same source. Yeah. It's just it's just how it filtered through different cultures. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I mean when, when the activities are very similar and, and the same, and I think that's part of it. You know, like when you sit and meditate in the way that the uh, Buddhism teaches, it's not that different than doing a deep prayer. I know there are Christians who would completely disagree with me and say they are not the same. But the physical activity is very much the same. It's focus, it's concentration, it's clearing your mind, it's being intentional. It's all those things, and you're clearly in, and focused on one idea and one thing. That seems to be where you can get into that space where you connect to the source. Um, so I think
1: I think for myself there were two two factors uh, that come to mind, and maybe some others, but. Um... One is that I had a wonderful mentor in college who um, was the first person in my life that ever listened to me uh, at a deep level. He didn't try to push his um, faith or his ideology. He he happened to have been a scholarly uh, theological person, but he never pushed anything. He just listened. And I had not gotten that growing up in a, uh, Conservative religious background that was always trying to teach me and push me to believe certain things, and as my doubts and such surfaced as a young adult, it was perfectly okay, and I could question and um, and and that that kept me um, uh, helped me indeed to sort of ex- experience uh, myself as a whole person and as a spiritual and and human being. Um, And the other thing that was so influential for me were the arts um, and particularly uh, literature at that stage of my life, as I began to uh, delve into, um, I was actually uh, a German student and I have a a master's degree in German and I I delved Mm -hmm. into German uh, language and literature and those German poets would take you right into nature in the most uh, explicit and sensual way where you would be what we today call mindfulness was mm-hmm. well, it's well understood by poets uh, of the uh, early uh, 1800s and I'm sure many years before that, but it was like being present in the now, be here now is, is the modern terminology, be right here and behold and appreciate this beautiful, nature that we live in, this tree, this person, this whatever. And and uh, and to me, that was an awakening that um, really contributed to my own uh, sense of wholeness as a, as a young adult and um, was transformative. I know that sounds kind of strange. I don't know that many people... No, have... I,
0: I think that, that that's really beautiful. I think that that is truly beautiful because I think... I think it almost sounds transcendent I think that sometimes we just get it's simplistic but we get caught up in something that's truly just not important in the sense of um you know this rich it's almost as though some early men in power theologians or something decided that we were all clay that could be molded and we're not we're flesh and blood and human and you can't do it. You know how you talked about your growing up. How they just kept trying to, mm-hmm. you know, make you into something. Mm-hmm. And I think the connection with nature is to say, look, we are exactly who we're supposed to be, and it's beautiful, and it's natural, and it's just celebrating mm-hmm. that. Yes, you, know? so you really,
1: you really are uh, hearing and understanding what I'm saying. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. so easy to grasp uh, sometimes, but. It's that uh, beholding and appreciation of nature. So when we talk about eros, yeah, we're talking about sexuality. We were also talking about a beautiful sunrise. We're also talking about um, nature and all of its magnificence. And in our film, uh, we try to incorporate the arts uh, because there's no uh, way to explain as well as we try to, um, and as well as the, People we interview try to explain all this. Uh, we've we we realized, and and uh, I think this is a uh, a ground that uh, Rodney and I kind of had in common, and that is that the arts are the way in which or are, are another way in which one can begin to express the ineffable, to express what cannot be said in words, and that is through, in and, and the case of the film, we use uh, modern dance, we use animation, we use um, poetry, we use original music, much of which Rodney wrote uh, himself oh, nice. composed, wow. and, and many other elements, which uh, nature photography and so forth to try to express the awe and the, uh, the um, elements of uh, beauty that are a part of this wholeness that we talk about. It's not just a philosophical idea, it's a much more uh, more holistic and broader uh, effort to, to speak toward what we are.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What um, would you say that you both got from the film? I know that you are expecting people who see it to, to gain something, but did you, Walk away from making this um, in any way different or learning something than mm. you you know knew before making the film.
1: Well, I certainly did. Um, I I, I um, appreciate so much. I um, think a, a reoccurring theme, a recurring theme in the film, which is that. Um, the boxes that our culture puts us in, in terms of our identification, gender wise and sexually um, are confining that uh, this whole area of eros and beauty is so much bigger and cannot be enclosed in a simple definition. And I think to me, that was uh, the biggest takeaway. I I really appreciate uh, the way that theme kept coming up uh, with everyone. What
0: yeah.
2: about for, for me, it's um, a number of things which I think are all related. Uh, one is grace. Um, you know, I found myself in the making of the film constantly being challenged and uh, I thought I was already there and the film along with other parts of my life and, and particularly the spiritual aspects of my life like the church I belong to and, and just working on myself to try and grow I, I got a sense of that we're never going to be perfect no matter how and I have <laughs> I have little signs around my studio that said you know it you're not your goal is not to be perfect it's just to, you know but to keep moving but there's still that idea of like okay I've arrived I got it And then, you know, uh, something will happen in an interview or I'm sitting here editing and I'll get a twinge of like, Ooh, that hurt that that's weird. I don't know what are they talking about. And then I have to take a breath and go, all right, how do I feel about this? Or, or something just as simple as remembering the pronouns and it, it, I can almost feel like it's, I'm doing a microaggression then. And, and, um, you know by not remembering um i remember all sorts of things i learned quickly why is this a problem and um you know uh, why 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 can't i just remember that they're a they and she's a she and he's a he i you know and and i had to dig deep into myself and question that and um and in you know it taught me grace in other as it relates to other things, I mean, right around the same time we were starting to make the film, I remember reading about the person who wrote Amazing Grace and how he was a slave trader on the ship and had this moment, this epiphany, epiphany of grace, and he wrote the song, but it took him 15 years before he was a an abolitionist, and I'm like, well, why did it happen right away? <laughs> why couldn't he just, he had the moment of grace, he, he should have turned right then, and it's just not how people work. We we evolve. We make mistakes. We learn, and so I think that was one of the things that the film showed me. And then, um, you know, the, the other thing I, I I didn't know much about, and we don't really talk about it a lot in the film, but it's in the interview. It's not in the film, but it's it's mentioned, and that's the Two-Spirit people and that Native American. Tribes had twenty-five definitions of gender, and their belief was that the people who encompassed both genders were actually closer to God or the spirit, you know, the source. And that's pretty powerful because if God is male and female or genderless, then that would be there would be or (laughs) genderful, or genderful. There you go. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Um, Then. like those who who embody both would be uh closer at least that seems logical and also yeah so just things like that and then it also allowed me to feel more whole about myself because as a um emotional man of color i'm told i'm not allowed i'm not supposed to feel the things i feel i'm not supposed to be emotional you're not supposed to cry you're not supposed to do this but if i'm not supposed to do it why does my body do it (laughs) like Like if i'm hurt or sad i cry why and there's a reason it's a release of energy i mean there's a scientific reason for it a biological reason for it but but a cultural but then the culture comes along and says no we know better and also in this book says you're not supposed to this either but but i'm sad and i want to cry no (laughs) that is wrong tell your body to stop doing that okay Oh, sorry. so yeah so that's kind of what i think i got out of the making of the film was just, just a, con- a continuation of the journey that i'm on but uh but you know uh, it it's the thing that pops up and challenges you and smacks you in the face that i purposely walked into
0: <laughs> well you know that's that's really well put because these are deep grooves, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we're always evolving and, and, you know, I'm not there yet, but you know what? I'm better than I was at 17. And I'm going to be better yeah. 10 years from now. And, you know, yeah. I was, I remember when I first was exposed to the concept of they, them, mm-hmm. and I said to one of my daughters, well, I don't know about, about using that, those pronouns. Mm-hmm. I said, because, you know, that's, plural and she had Mm -hmm. two things to say to me so her response was okay mom so let me just understand this your need for grammatical correctness supersedes their need to be wholly recognized and identified Mm -hmm. and I was like and then she also explained what that kind of means Mm there and them and the multi-nature of that but, you know, when she said that to me, it, it challenged that part. Like, oh, yeah, I was saying things that other people said that they kind of laugh off and chuckle. And it is a microaggression. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you do need those moments of, hey, I'm not comfortable for a second to push past that and to recognize mm-hmm. within ourselves, you know, we have these microaggressions we have these um feelings that are kind of indoctrination that we have to to mm-hmm. grow out of and at the same time as somebody said in a prior podcast when we were talking about um we were actually talking about the concept of race they said and we also have to have some mercy you know mm-hmm. at the same time um so it it's really a great conversation and an important conversation for every single person. Um, what are your your hopes, your goals for your film?
1: Well, I hope that the the film will raise the um, awareness and the questions that we've been talking about tonight, um, because I think that they're they're already existent, but that they need a lot more emphasis and so we're hoping that the film will um, be shown uh, as it's already starting to be in conferences and uh, various uh, educational settings, whether it's colleges or schools. It's, it's uh, been screened um, in quite a few film festivals and has done very well on the film festival circuit. I think we've been in a dozen at least. And, received awards. I was concerned at, at first that the film would be sort of a niche film, just sort of for a very specialized audience. But what we're finding is that a secular, broader audience is responding to it. And that's very encouraging because I think what we're talking about is not exclusive to religious settings, but it really um, directs itself toward our culture at large. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope people walk away from the film with exactly what Vic says, that they, they enter into a dialogue either with others or themselves around how they see wholeness, how they, and, 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 and continue on the path or start on the journey of finding wholeness for themselves, finding a way to have that mind, body, soul connection, um, you know, and and um, enjoy and live life fully. <laughs> the thing we're all struggling to try and figure out how to do.
0: Um, beautiful job again. And I think that um, your use of the arts mixed with the conversation, I think it's it's really, really well done. I think that people will really um, enjoy it. Now, I just have to say before we go, because this is what I do on this podcast, you guys, I don't think I even warned you, but I do ask questions that have nothing to do with what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> just a <Okay>. few. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I'm going to stump you. You can pass. But I just like to know kind of like what your favorites are. So if I said um, a book that you feel really impacted you, um, a book you found impactful, it doesn't have to be your favorite what would you say
2: the Kinnavata are waiting for you it's one of my favorite books i'd love to turn it into a movie I, I know i probably won't get the chance to but it's a little known book that took that was written by a, a feminist author in the early 70s and uh it, it's not a, i don't even know how to describe to you what it's about i mean but it's about so much of the stuff Hello. we've been talking about tonight in some ways. And yeah. Uh, yeah. when I read it, I think I might have been like 18 or 19. And it just had such a powerful impact on me because it's a story. It's a, it's a redemption story. It's about someone who let themselves go into the darkest parts of being human and was basically loved by a whole community uh, back to oh, oh, homeless. I never even thought about it that way before. Wow. Uh, but it's a, it's a book I love uh, uh, you know and uh, I mean I will say that the book is very much couched in the time it was written. Uh, I've gone back to it and while I still love it it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily hold up the way it did when I first read it but it still holds a very special place for me.
0: Right. And what about you Vic?
1: Well, um, I would mention uh, a book that's very current um, that is part of uh, one book, Philadelphia, and that is uh, a book called My Broken Language by Chiara Alegria Hudas. And uh, it is about uh, it's a memoir about her life and how she grew up in um, a Puerto Rican culture, uh, but also um Having a Puerto Rican mother and a Jewish father, she um, lived in two different worlds, and she tries to reconcile this within her own life and her own language. It's a beautiful book.
0: Sounds good. What about a favorite movie or an impactful movie? Just one that pops into your mind. I'm sure that there are a lot.
2: (laughs) Well, Ronnie, Thinking now you're you...
0: both filmmakers. Oh,
2: boy. I mean, I don't, that's such a hard question to ask. I know. Uh, it's easier
0: when you're not a filmmaker. I can tell you that. No, to answer. No, it, I mean,
2: I mean yeah, I'll give you two, I guess. Uh, probably one of the most impactful movies on me. Oh, there's so many, but I think the one that made me really, when I look back on it, that made me want to be a filmmaker is uh, the first airport movie from 1970, 1980.
0: Yes, uh, I remember that. 1970
2: or 69 with Dean Martin and uh, Char- who's Charlton Heston in that. And it's kind of the first disaster movie. It starts yeah. the whole thing, but it's so epic and big. And it's uh, Alfred Newman, the famous composer's last movie. And I, and I don't know if it was the music in the film or the film itself that has just, it hit me. I find that I've stolen things from the score in other films I've done, uh, you know, unconsciously. Um, and it just, I don't know. I go back and watch it every couple of years and it still, still makes me smile. And it's not a good movie, but I just love it. And of course it inspired, that whole airport series inspired the great co- comedy of Airplane, which yes. is great. Oh, uh, right. It's, it's great. The, the great comedy series of those, but yeah, airport. And then I would also say uh life out of balance, because I think there's so much of the kind of work I do, like even in angels and saints that just goes back to that point where I was 18 or 19 years old, sitting in the theater, seeing in for the first time with the Philip glass score and just having a story told unfold for you with just images. And you know, getting, you know, the quite means life out of balance and boy, those images with that music really does show how, you know, even back then, how out of balance we were. And uh, so those would be, I mean, there's so many I could pick, but yeah, those are are (laughs) probably the two most impactful (laughs) films for me on me.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: I guess a film that I would um, refer to as one that I saw recently, West Side Story, the Spielberg version of that was uh, really awesome. I thought I loved the total uh, entertainment of it, um, the dance, the poignant story, the sort of uh, references back to uh, Shakespeare. Um, it has so many different levels in it. Uh, so um, that, that's what popped into my mind first.
0: That's perfect. Did you see the first one, Vic?
1: I did yes yeah, yeah, yes yeah. Uh-huh.
0: I always tell my husband he can thank that movie or he can be angry at that movie <laughs> 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 depends on the day um because yeah. if we were as we were saying earlier he's Puerto Rican and I always thought you know I always like the sharks a little bit more than the jets <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I love I loved uh, Rita uh, Moreno uh oh my her, gosh yes. her appearance in both films and to think how she uh, is such an extraordinary actress and human being and uh, it was it was such a tribute to her life and of course uh, others as well but it was uh, uh, extremely well produced
0: I thought I agree well I won't keep you but I'll just ask one final not Mm -hmm. easy question but you can just Mm -hmm. again say what comes to mind you know what would you say kind of is your overall mission as a, um, you know, filmmakers? Do you have, you make different films and and Rodney, different forms of music, but do you have something overarching that kind of guides you regularly or through your process?
1: Rodney's gonna take that one.
0: Yeah i I end with a real light breezy question
2: (laughs) uh, uh, my mission as a artist and as a human being i think is not i think i know (laughs) is to leave the world better than it was when i got here and hopefully i mean not that i have control over the entire world but hopefully i did more good than harm while i was here and the things that i made not only entertain but in some small way or some big way who know i never will know but uh helped people to to continue on their journey you know so so whenever i'm working on something even if it's something stupid or small i i i'm uh, or even purely just for entertainment you know like i'm scoring a horror film i hope i still look and see is there something in this that is good is um you know, can just push the culture forward, push people forward,
1: make a difference. I don't know, that's yeah. what I hope.
0: Love it. You know,
1: I, what I like about your question is that I really don't have an easy answer. It's like, I, I thank you for the question. I, I, I honestly don't know that I've thought about it enough. Um, I, I think I operate more instinctively um, rather than a conscious mission uh, or purpose, I think I operate more out of what's kind of in my gut right now, and how can I get that out, and, and in a way, I produce films that are about myself in some way. I don't always realize that when I'm doing it, but it's um, a way of getting out uh, something that's a kernel of, of interest and, and of um, it's like, I have to say this, I have to get this out. Uh, The first three films that I worked on were about um, older adults because I was um, very engaged with that in my social work. And then I got into, well, what's the connection between older generation and younger generation? That was my third film. Uh, And then uh, in caregivers film, uh, it was really about professionals that take care of, of people. And what's the impact of doing that? What's it like to be a hospice worker or to be a firefighter or to be um, a therapist or someone working with trauma every day? What What's the impact? And these are things that are close to my own life because I had, uh, worked in uh, these fields, not as a far, firefighter, but as a clinical social worker. So I, I kind of go for, I mean, it, it's, it's selfish or self-full, I'm not sure which is the right word, but it's about what's going on inside me that I've got to get out. And, uh, and that, in a sense, is also what uh, Angels and Saints is about. It's like, my God, I've struggled with this issue for much of my life. So, uh, what can I, what can I say that will help me understand the world better and maybe help some other people? So, maybe that's what my mission is. But I, I love your question because it's not an easy one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I have to say, I really appreciate how open you both are and that you are doing creative and meaningful work. And um, I wish you both well with it. I congratulate you on the accolades that you've already received. And once again, I just thank you.
1: Oh, it's been a tremendous pleasure. Thank you for having us. It's been wonderful. Thank you, thank you.
0: (laughs) Hey, thanks for listening. Giant thank you goes out to show advisor, Roseanne Griffiths. The talented musician, Bill Aronson, who wrote, produced, performed the Soulful Connections theme song. And a thank you goes out to Brad Sanders for creating the Soulful Connections logo. Love it. That's new this year. So much gratitude to these guys and to my friends and family who continue to listen and guide me. And once again, to you for listening. I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email at soulfullife at gmail.com. That's s o l f u l l i f e at gmail.com.